Hi, everyone. Pastor Galen, lead pastor at Shine Hills Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope that these podcasts will be a real encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. You can also connect with Shine Hills at shinehills.org. Hope you enjoy the program. We are across the street and around the world. Cheyenne Hills. Well, and we have no more Mr. Potato Head. I know. Did you, have a, that. did you have a Mr. Potato Head? Are you even old enough or young enough? Whatever it was, I old think, enough. I think I had that, and I had Spud and Yam. I had Mr. I, and Mrs. Potato Head's kids. Is that right? <laughs> right. So, so there was a Mrs. Potato Head. Then. There was. There was a whole family. Yeah, that's uh, what Mr. I thought. and Mrs. and then Spud and Yam, and I forget who's who. Oh in my the gosh, kids, you but, know your potatoes better than I do. Well, you well, know, I, of course he I, does, gr- Galen. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, you probably I'll be honest. The, I've never, I've never <laughs> named any other potato. <laughs> or I should probably put that out there. <laughs> so, Only those four. I mean, right, right. You know, we were we were talking about this last night, and it, it, the topic came up. You know that, and the Dr. Seuss um, kind of things that were right. Is, is that is that called? Is that the cancel culture that's canceling? Is that what that is? That's doing this. Who's who's putting this out? Or is that more of the uh, the Equality Act that's kind of going on right now? Uh, I really think that all of those are interconnected. Okay. There's no doubt about it. Okay. And and so that cancel culture. Um, the idea of moving toward the uh, a sexless society, okay. which is a really strange uh, end game, if you will, when you talk about the sexual revolution. What it's wound up doing is doing away with the idea of sex itself. Mm-hmm. And really, it's an attempt to overturn the entirety of creation order. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, because it goes at the bedrock or the, the basic... Uh, fundamentals of what God said, you know, be fruitful, right. multiply, fill the earth. And he talks about this marriage and this devotion that we have to, to our spouses. I right. mean, uh, I do think you're right. It does, it does attack all of those roles that God has set up as, you know, I always challenge people, you know, to, to choose these things. Right. And, uh, but you know, you can't, can't make somebody believe it, but I don't know this whole, this whole thing with Mr. Potato Head and all that, is there a, is this going anywhere or is it you're just taking them off the shelves or, I mean, why, how can you have a problem if you have Mrs. Potato Head? What, what are we missing here? Well, what's, I don't know. That what am I missing? Here? <laughs> well, I think first of all, someone has to just point out that potatoes don't have a gender. Okay. Well, right? there you go. <laughs> you know, that's where the idea of all of this has gone so strange. Um, the, the conversation. And so when you look at the, what, what Hasbro uh, said as they made this announcement, uh, they wanted to make sure that all feel welcome in the potato head world. By the way, I didn't know I lived in a potato head world, well, but apparently we do. Yeah. Uh, I've heard of Egghead before. <laughs> and you're close on that one. Well, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know if that refers to the shape of my no, head. No, no, just, or, just the amount of reading and, and uh, study you're doing. Well, That's brother, you yoke me up, I just said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but anyway. But it says, by officially dropping the Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head uh, brand name, we want to promote gender equality and inclusion. Okay, there basically. you go. And so, but when we talk about that gender equality and, con- and inclusion, there, there's a point there where we just have to uh, talk about this is really strange. This is part of that cultural and sexual revolution that has been ongoing for some time, but it has taken a really strange turn yeah. over the last um, 10 years or so. Uh, over the last eight years, it used to be that what people were talking about is government shouldn't invade the bedroom, you know, and I think almost anyone would say, you're right, government has no role in the bedroom, but now they're demanding that government dictate to others what others should believe and say uh, toward one another in the public arena. 
Yeah. And uh, it has really taken a tragic turn. Yeah, and that's and you just, we're just seeing this in so many different ways. This e- this Equality Act that I'd like to touch on sometime today is you know it's yeah. this whole idea of um, you know we're trying to trying to create this I don't know this equality and the, what are the consequences of that? The the consequences is that they're trying to remove religion basically the religious idea right. of of what. Uh, our gender or sex and, and our, you know, what, what we can say and what we can't say, or we, even what we can think about these, these kinds of issues. And so I think that's been, well, I think that's been one of the things we need to address today and try to understand last, last time I actually listened to our podcast last week, because there was a lot of heady stuff in there. And Mm -hmm. I, there's one thing you said, and I want to go back and listen to it again. And it was when you were talking about the thesis and the antithesis, and Mm -hmm. it has a new synthesis. And, and as I, it's like that's how the world works all the time, and it just gradually moves a certain direction. Now, if you speak God's truth, now it's relative. You know, some people say, "Well, that's your truth, and this is my truth, or whatever." But if you speak God's truth to that at the very beginning, it's not that much of a gap. But if you mm-hmm. see these generations of it moving a, a further away from truth, now we get several generations in. Then you try to speak. You know, someone stands up and tries to speak truth to gender or truth to a marriage relationship between a man and woman. I mean, you come across certainly looking like an, you know, Mr. Potato Head. You're just like, who are you? What planet are you from? Right. And it's like, well, this is, this is God's truth. And so, you know, part of that did, is it, I don't know. I'm always want to know what, what did we do wrong? I mean, do we, are we not the church? Are we not speaking out enough about that? Uh, You know, where's what God's, Here's what God's values are. Here's his teaching on this issue. You know, every time I do a premarital counseling, I go through Ephesians 5. And I said, listen, this is going to be the toughest passage. That's right. But if you understand it, mm-hmm. and if you have a man that understands his role, and you have a woman that understands her role, this is this is beauty. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's beautiful when it right. works. Um, and it, but if you have a man that's not willing to be the man of the house, and if you have a woman that can't, submit to and if they both submit to one another out of reference for christ that's the starting point exactly if right. you get that right then yeah. the rest of it is a piece of cake the man's supposed to be willing to die for her right. she submits to him it's like oh my gosh this is a this is a good deal yeah if I'm but so, it's yeah go ahead i'm so glad that you went there because i've had to deal with ephesians 5 just this week in a counseling situation and and part of it is you do see that mutual submission that yep. understanding that the two complement one another yep. and that the man doesn't div- um, demand, demand that the wife submit to him. The Bible, the apostle Paul specifically speaks to the wife and says, wives. So he's telling them. So it is a submission on their behalf, but it's not something demanded of them. It's something they willingly give. Yep. But then that the way that those two things work together, you're right. It all comes down to this. The two are submitted toward one another, all of them being submitted to, to God. Christ. Yep. That's exactly and right. And so when we talk about the way that uh, plays into civil society, and we talk about the, the struggles that we're in, and, and you mentioned the Hegelian dialectic is the technical term for that, okay. named after George William Frederick Hegel. Um, he was actually a theologian, mm. and, and he was trying to point out that there are these cycles in, in world history. The sad thing is one of his students was a man by the name of Karl Marx. Karl Marx t- took that Hegelian dialectic, which is, and you just mentioned it, it is a thesis. It starts off with the idea of a thesis, and the, but that thesis or that, that truth statement forms an antithesis. And as the two collide, whatever comes out of the, the, uh, the collision is, forms a synthesis, 
a combination of the two oftentimes, but that synthesis becomes the new thesis. And he talks about this cycle that goes throughout history. Now, the sad thing about Marx is Marx then built that into a utopian ideal of the world. His version of heaven, he calls communism. And and a matter of fact, there's a man today, and I cannot remember his name, but he's in charge of an organization that has kept track of all of the millions of people that have been killed because of communism. Communism, yeah. But he makes that statement that uh, 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 communism is to the socialist what heaven is to the Christian. Hmm. What he means by that is Marx painted this utopian ideal of what uh, his his conclusion would lead to, and it was a uh, it was his version of heaven. Yeah. But but you realize that in the midst of all of that conversation, that he really wanted to just burn the world down. And that's exactly, so his favorite... Um, Which is what's happening right now. Oh, absolutely. We're wanting to burn down everything, the institutions, anything that's of truth, any, you know, certainly, I think the church, church is in the crosshairs. I mean... Absolutely. I, you know, anything that's promoting a truth that is of God, it seem, seems to me, is in yeah. in the crosshairs of this has got to be burned down because it's not fair, whether it falls into the category of a critical race issue or if mm-hmm. it's some kind of equality when it comes to sexual orientation right. all those things are being are under or the, the cause of we've got to just burn this down so what you're saying is that's a marxist idea is a the marxist. burning it down absolutely i'll be done so so um uh one of the wonderful books it was is simply called um carl marx and the devil i believe it is um uh but in that book it, carl marx spoke extensively about the devil in praise of Satan. Wow. But in that, one of the things he said was the communist openly declared that their ends can be attained only, only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. Um, now, what that means is that everything in this world to them must be burned down. Uh, one of the... So um, when, you, when you interpret that, are you saying yeah. institutions? You're saying structure of the home. I mean, that's been under the for a yeah, long time. That's right. Um, maybe even the, even the classroom and, you know, historical uh, truth in, in that's got to be burned down. Absolutely. All those things are part of it. Every bit of it. Uh, so, so you mentioned the family and so on. Literally in, in the Communist Manifesto, it says, abolish the family, exclamation point. Wow. Um, they wrote even the most radical flare-up at this inf- infamous proposal of the communists. They, they spoke in favor of all of that, even though it, Many people would 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 uh, flare up at the idea, but abolish the family. They said that in praise, and so uh, communism. Uh, Marx and Engels wrote in their manifesto, not only seeks to quote abolish the present state of things, but represents the most radical rupture in traditional relations. Mm-hmm. Marx's favorite quote was from Goethe's uh, Faust, the 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 Satan figure called mm. Mephistopheles, yeah. and he talks about tearing down the entire world. It was his famous quote, a favorite quote. And so you look at that, and you look at, first of all, how they wanted to tear down social structures and the family and all those different things, and you come down today where they're tearing down the very idea of what it means to be a man and a woman. Right. And that's the reason why when Hasbro makes a statement like that, right. that it is in response to uh, a century and a half of the destruction of all that is um, the regular order, the way in which God has created the world. It goes right back to the Garden of Eden, where they uh, Satan whispers into the ear of Eve, you know, if you eat of that, you'll not really die. You shall become as gods. 
Well, why did he do that? First of all, why did he come in the form of a snake? Why did he speak to the woman first and not to Adam? And why why then did Adam do that? And why did God have to go back through that whole process? A man by the name of Greg Gilbert writes this in a, in a great little booklet that is good for young Christians to read. But he talks about how Satan came in the lowest form of an animal wow. and spoke to the lady that was created from the rib of Adam to then speak to Adam, who then turned in rebellion to God. It was an attempt to destroy from the very basis the entire structure that God had set up. Right. And we find that that truth still reigns among us in civil society today. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, part of this, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the church, looking for answers, you know. But I think, you know, whenever I've talked, when I do my married premarital counseling, I, I take him to Genesis, and then we go to Ephesians 5. So we hit those two. Is where I go. Genesis two two is the creation, and uh, and God told Adam, "You can eat from any tree in the garden, from the tree in the center of the garden. You must not eat, mm-hmm. um, or you surely surely will die." And then the he names all the animals. Then he created Eve. So Eve wasn't even around, mm-hmm. according to the text, right. when the instruction was given. Right. So Adam was responsible. Right. It doesn't mean he's the smartest. It doesn't mean he's the best. It doesn't mean he's the most important. It means he is the He's responsible. And I still think, and I always tell the men, listen, you know, your job is to be willing to be, to love her like Christ loved the church and Christ died for the church. Exactly. That's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. And then so if, if, if he's doing that job and being willing to die for her, listen, submitting to him is like nothing. It's like the church submits to Christ. It's like, mm-hmm. he's done all the work. Right. We just, we just are long for the ride. It's like, man, we're the bride of Christ. So if you get this picture, Christ has done all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, so in the marriage, if we do the same thing, it, it works so wonderful. But I think men, and I think they've been really attacked about being men, about standing, you know, being responsible, um, being the spiritual leaders of their home, being the, you know, taking responsibility, you know, for, for things, even their kids' education or whatever it is. They're responsible. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I tell the guys, I believe man is going to, the man is going to stand before God for them. The way the marriage goes, mm-hmm. the way the kids, all, I mean, all the man's responsible. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my conclusion. It says, through one man, sin entered the world. You know, where was Eve in this? Right. Because he was responsible. Romans 5.12. Yep, he got, yep. he got the instruction. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things. I mean, that's structure, and you, you're trying to break all that down. And so we see all of this, um, you know, things against men and, and all those things as well. And I think that's, that's part of it. It's not the whole thing. But, but it goes back to this um, this, this uh thesis and antithesis mm-hmm. and the drifting of right. this, you know, the synthesis just moves further, further, further away right. from truth. Right. In my opinion. Right. And, and what I see is that, um, you know, we've, we've drifted so far that, you know, if, if we'd have had Mr. Potato Head back when, I don't know, when I was a kid, my, my parents and my grandparents, I mean, it would just been laughable. It would just been, they would have written right. this off as the, right. Uh, you know, now we're just like, we're so used to this kind of thing. We're mm-hmm. almost, almost ashamed of myself thinking and joking about it, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's no joke because what it really is showing yeah. is that we have drifted a long way. I think Mr. Potato Head is a great example of that drift yes. yep. because this is one of the most iconic toy brands in American history. Yeah. So the very first, and I really appreciated this, a band by the name of Albert Moeller, Dr. Albert Moeller brought this out. He pointed out that the very first um, at TV advertisement aimed at children was to sell Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. No kidding. It has been around that long. Oh, my gosh. And so someone finally realized, I think it was in the early 1970s, that you could pitch 
uh, toys toward children, and they're watching TV with their mom and dad, and they would turn to their mom and dad and say, Hey, we need this. Yes, exactly, right? And, And that actually was a fairly new concept, you know, just 50 years ago. But... Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head was what they were pitching toward them. This is an old, iconic brand. And so when you stop and think in the year 2021 and you look backwards over the last 70 or 80 years of, of this iconic brand and imagine the world in which it, was fr- it first came into and how different that world is yes. from today. Oh, my gosh. Now, why is there such a slide? Why is there such a change? I would contend that that, can change, that change has been systematic and planned. And so, uh, you know, and, and I'm not talking about some, some one singular, singular person pl- planning this out. I'm just saying that there has been a long push to tear down yep. what Western civilization and specifically now America um, has stood for through the, through the years. Right. Um, because we, we literally have a, a glorious past uh, going back through the the Scottish Reformation and back through the best ideas that come down to us through Western civilization, and those core ideas, the very basis of what freedom looks like, those are the things under attack, yeah. and that's what we're looking at. With and and people think, well, how does A equal B? You know, I mean, how could you make such a broad statement? But I will say that when you talk about doing away with the very idea that men are men and women are women. And then people will try to even silence the fact that such an idea is uttered into the world. Right. What they're saying is that you have no right to believe certain basic and core elements of, of biology. And so by controlling what you believe, by controlling what you can say, can or cannot say, they control the entire basis upon which freedom is built. So you, you tapped into something here, and I, we probably don't have time to completely cover this, but it's a, it's... It's been fresh on my mind this, um, I think, last week, the House of Representatives of the United States passed the Equality Act, which is really cutting at the core of, of really what, uh, you know, we, not only does this mean that if, if it would pass the Senate and if it would be adopted as law, not only would it would be a federal law that would say not only can a, uh, a bake, a bake a, what is it? You've got to bake a cake for gay and lesbian right. Right. Um, couples. Right. It's not just that, but it would it would even take it further to say, um, even in the church, there's going to have to be some ways that you you have to speak differently mm-hmm. when it comes to marriage. Right. You have to be, think differently or hire differently when it comes to wh- who you hire, mm-hmm. and and uh, if you resist that, then then I don't know what what is what does this look like? I mean, this is what's really it's. It's on the horizon, but it's right. it's right there. Right. What's so terrible terrible about this idea, the Equality Act, is that in 1964 they passed the Civil Rights Act, which was really important because there were people that, um, you know, if you drove essentially from Chicago to um, um, southern Louisiana, there were big chunks of space that you couldn't drive through. They literally published something called the Green Book so that people of African-American descent or, or even other races, that they could carefully go through these places and, and, and you would pray the entire time that your car wouldn't break down because there was people, there were people that were doing things that were evil. Yeah. So ni- the 1964 Civil Rights Act was addressing an actual felt evil. Yeah. What's so different about the conversation today is there is no such scenario happening in the United States of America. Anyone can go um, 
to almost anywhere, and they can get a cake made. Matter of fact, Jack Phillips, the man that you referenced regarding that cake um, down in, in Colorado, mm-hmm. it, someone came in and asked for a wedding cake, and he said, I will make you any cake. I really will. If you ask me to put something on top of it, that actually is a creative act on my part. And, and there are certain things that I can't do in good conscience, okay. but I'll sell you any cake. I'll sell you anything in this in the store. But if you ask me to make it, I can't do that. Okay. Jack Phillips was a man that he didn't even want to make Halloween cakes. So the idea of making blood and guts and all those different yeah. things, it hurt his conscience. Yeah. And and almost every, anyone would say, you shouldn't have to make blood and guts on a cake if you don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And anyone can recognize those things. So all of that to say this, that what's being demanded today is not the actual protection of individuals who are in actual mortal uh, threat for their lives and stuff like that. It's demanding that other people bow to another person's ideology. Right. And that's really why when we talk about this entire conversation, what the so-called Equality Act does is makes the world unequal unequal, whatever that word is, it does away with genuine equality. And it demands that everyone bow to the, to the will, the whim of this new right that's being, um, uh, uh, you know, proposed by the bill. This, uh, Douglas Lay, says Laycock, the professor of the university of Virginia, this is what he said. It protects the rights of one side, but it attempts to destroy the rights of the other side. Mm -hmm. He says, we ought to protect the liberty of both sides and live their and to live their own lives by their own identities and their own values. And mm-hmm. so obviously this is a way far reaching um, right. bill that, you know, I'm hoping and praying that, you know, mm-hmm. that it will stop at the Senate. But, uh, you know, I think, I think we lost, this is just my opinion. I think we lost um, the, the argument when, when they basically said that the, if you're gay or lesbian, you're born that way. You know, when we lost when we lost that argument, mm-hmm. I say we, I mean the church. I'd speak to it, and it's almost like we used to be able to, to speak that, and but now you can't say you no know, because there everybody pretty much fundamentally believes that you're born gay or straight or bi or you're born, you know, which doesn't make any sense. How can you be born trans? But but anyway. Uh, that when we lost that argument, I think that whole this whole thing went out the window. It's that that whole drift that I've been talking about, just little by little. We have to win; they have to win this little battle and this little battle, and pretty soon, it's like it's way over here. And now we have this bill facing us mm-hmm. as a church, and you know, I don't, I really don't know what would happen if it's enacted. It's a, it's a federal, it's a federal. There's nothing to stop. Uh, the this onslaught to come into the church basically and i don't know what it's going to look like well i'm glad you brought that up and and i know that we're running yeah uh, we kind of we need we need to run this into next week well let me just uh, close with this in that brief statement that you just made you pointed out how shifting all of this is because it used to be and even though there is no science to prove it that there that uh, you're born a certain way that might be opposite your biology and now we're literally living in a world where there are some people that say, no, the entire thing is fluid. And now they're at conflict with one another on these ideas. Interesting. And so when truth is that malleable from generation to generation, you have to stop and ask, what does truth actually look like? Yeah. And I think that's at the core of this entire conversation. And we didn't get back to 
the communist utopia. So next time we've got to we've got to hit that communist utopia because that that it was fascinating to yes, me, sir. and I want to see how what you think, uh, what's being painted, and what do people really believe? Do they really understand? Is this what they're shooting for? And and so those are the questions I want to set you up for next time. So, well, this this is a fascinating discussion. You know, our world is, you know, just changing. You know, this uh, is right under our feet, and it's like you know how. We've, we've said this before. How now shall we live? That's the that's a big question, so it's hard. Well, I do know this. The Bible says we are to be strong and very courageous. God bless you all.